Would an amazing game be made worse if it had a horrible music direction? And does music matter to your gaming experience? But before we get started, let's hear from our affiliate of the week. Sam? Thanks, guys. Our affiliate of the podcast this week is Player One Coffee Labs. Ever needed a pick-me-up for an extra long raid? Need some extra juice to beat the next boss? Ever needed a shock to help you hit the next level? Well, look no further. Player One Coffee Labs provides coffee for gamers by gamers. With awesome brand names like Leroy Jenkins and First Person Smoother, you are sure to enjoy Player One Coffee. Player One also allows you to save a bit and support the podcast at the same time. Just head to our website, scroll to the bottom of the page, and select the Player One link. This way, you get a 5% discount, and Gaming and Chill gets a portion of your purchase in return as well. Thanks, Player One Coffee Labs. Back to you guys. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the Uncle Sam here. And it's Mish. With the Gaming and Chill podcast. Getting ready to go ahead and start episode 70, which, as you have already been introduced to, is going to be about gaming soundtracks. But before we get started, let's go ahead and take a look at our YouTube roundup for the week. So the first video we have is the secret letter of language design. And we have to point out, you have to turn on the English subtitles yeah. for it. Because I was sent the, <laughs> the video and I didn't know what I was listening to for the first five minutes. Because I'm like, why did Doug send this to me? But um, what were your thoughts on that video, Micah? Uh, it is definitely, it, it does definitely have a twist on letters how you wouldn't think of it before. Like, you've always expected it, but it was never, like, really um, described or, like, um, kind of just talked about in this way. Like, you look at a thing, and you see words on the thing, and then you expect it to be that thing. Um, for instance, in any type of, like, spoof product, like, you know, the shocking gum or whatever. Yeah. The text and everything looks like the real thing. It may say, like, fruit gum or um, cinnamon. The same look. And that's really what this video is about, is the, the secret language of letter design. Yeah. Now, for instance, right now in front of me, I have a deck box from Ultra Pro. Um, this is not sponsored by them. It's sponsored by our affiliate, who we've already spoke about. So the deck box has very specific um, script on the very front of it, and it looks like what you would expect some type of Magic the Gathering deck or some type of like fantasy deck would look like because of the script that is used, and that's the whole thing that she talks about in this video. Yeah, it's basically a, I guess, text or graphic designer. I don't know what her official font designer um looks at when they go through and they create a certain font um, for that one. Like, for example, the stencil font. Um, I call it the stencil font because that's what Microsoft Word calls it, but, like, that military, like, spray paint on logo, whenever I see that, that just reminds me of, hey, in kind of more of an industrial, oh, man, this is some important information you might want to look at, or it's just the basic information you need, whether that's, hey, warning, or, hey, look, this box contains this much, and that's literally all you need to know. But, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting seeing her draw it, and, of course, seeing um, just different ways that you can portray just an idea or a thought with letters. However, we will have to give you a warning. Um, the F-bomb is written out, but it... She doesn't say it out loud, so you shouldn't. Have well, to she, word. <laughs> she, yeah, eh, words speak. I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, but the other thing is, like, you, everyone has seen those calligraphy videos on YouTube. Oh where yeah. Where they like write the Adidas logo, or they write um, calligraphy in like super nice font. And there's even like a robot. I don't know if it's called Scribebot or something, but it's basically a CNC machine hooked up to a calligraphy pen. And it's able to do these intricate patterns and make everything look perfect. I mean, it's actually, like, you, that's what you expect. Like, Adidas, of course. You can picture the Adidas logo in your mind right now. Yep. Or you can picture, um, uh, gosh, what's the, another good one? The Nike swoosh. <laughs> well, that's that's a, that's a logo. Oh, yeah. Like, this is more, like, specifically on letters. And so I have a calligraphy pen set, and it's super difficult to do all those letters. <laughs> And I even have a wood-burning set with calligraphy tips. 
and that may be featured in another video on the channel. But it comes to a point where you're just like, this doesn't look right because it's not in the right font. I would have to agree. Well, anytime I try and draw anything, my, I literally well, of course, look, Sam. I look like a doctor because everybody's like, oh, hey, did a three-year-old write this? But what level of doctor? Are you on, like, American doctor or, like, Chinese doctor or, like, Russian doctor? I'm going to say maybe a dentist level because, you know, that's I've, – I've been told that's the easiest. So I give you nationalities and you go to dentist. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be or sound racist, but it's like it's like, oh, what's the uh, the easiest doctorate to get? Apparently, I'm from a friend in high school, he used to tell me that the dentist or to get a doctorate in, I guess, dentistry was the easiest way to go. But hey, you know, disclaimer: this has not been researched prior to the show. <laughs> no, it has not. <laughs> All of you, please put in the comments how wrong he is, and I will just uh, clap along as I see them. Actually, all the dentists that I know are really awesome people, so. <laughs> all right. Well, moving on, we also have the... Yeah, uh, if we ever get doctored, Sam, we won't be the doctors that help people. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so we have next up, like, this bombshell that came out a few weeks ago, the uh, first look at the Nintendo Labo. What is your thoughts about that? So this is what I've always expected uh, with the Switch. Oh, really? Now, of course, Nintendo has always moved towards, like, hey, let's get people active. They did that first in the Wii, and then, of course, PlayStation copied it, and uh, Xbox put out their Kinect. I don't know the exact time frame between those, but the Wii was the first real system that you, quote-unquote, had to get up and move for. Yeah. Um, they had Wii Fit. They had all types of, like... Just get up and move. Um, I forget what else specifically, but they've always been in this uh, object, and J Japanese mentality has always been keep moving, uh, keep active, don't just sit around all day. Um, I mean, they even, I don't know if uh, this is quite accurate, but they even have like nap breaks at work where they know that, hey, if they aren't, if my workers aren't vitalized, if they aren't moving, if they aren't interested in what they're doing we're not going to have good quality work so they have those two mentalities of you either need rest or you need to be energized and that's what they kind of brought with the wii to the wii u and out of the switch and there's going to be plenty of things coming out including nintendo labo for the switch that will honestly uh change the game of gaming um I, I am a maker um, at heart. I love making things. And as soon as I got my Switch, I was immediately like, okay, what can I do with the Switch to change the game of how the Switch does? Oh. And honestly, some of the ideas that were in the Labo, that was some things that I thought of. I was like, you know, it would really be cool if I could like have like a robot suit to really feel like I'm a robot smashing things. Or um, it's also taking VR and putting it into the hands of those who desire vr yeah but instead of having this huge thing strapped to your face <laughs> it's right in front of you nice yeah actually random fact i don't know if doug got a chance to tell you he's already pre-ordered the robot kit now the thing that's really funny about this is that after he ordered the kit because it comes with the game and then apparently the cardboard pieces you need to create the backpack or whatever it is but apparently According to Reddit, and this could be completely wrong, and also it was like a, a Reddit France clip, so, you know, you can't really trust the French. But uh, they said that Nintendo's actually going to be giving out the templates that you can print off your own. So Doug and I are thinking, it's like, well, why do it with cardboard when I can make it with vinyl? Or plywood. Yeah. And be a real, like, robot guy. Exactly. So... I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. The, the toy piano looked like a very interesting concept as well that they had there, but they didn't have anything else other than that. But Doug went ahead. I think you can pre-order on Amazon for like 70 bucks or something like that for the yeah. device, and it comes with the game. But the game is supposed to be sold separately, but we will see however that turns out. But I just wonder... Now, with that, if they're going to allow more developers to develop games for them with kits of that same nature. Well, and that's the thing. If they don't, they're going to do it anyways. Yeah. Like, there will be people out there saying, hey, look, this is what I've done for Nintendo Labo. 
and it's compatible with this certain game. Here's the free files to download this <laughs> and get it cut or get it printed or whatever yourself. So if Nintendo doesn't take hold of that and just lets people just do whatever they want to, they're missing out, A, on business because they could trademark the ideas and buy the ideas from the creators, put back into their community what they've taken, uh, not meaning like they've taken our lives or anything, but like you understand completely what I mean. Um, and they, it, it's like the person who created uh, the fidget spinner. They had a wonderful idea, um, and they just weren't wise enough to get it trademarked before everyone else did. Yeah. And so with the Labo, if Nintendo doesn't say, hey, we will partner with you if you want to dev these things, they're going to miss out on A, the business, and B, realize that there's plenty of people out there who can design this stuff and would love to have a chance to speak into Nintendo's um, company as a whole. Well, I'm really interested to see, like, how much of these will sell, like, immediately or what the actual count is as of today. Because my, my thought was is that we were going to go through and make a video on after we get the official version. If they do give out the schematics, we're going to try and make them with different things like recycled cardboard or with plywood like you were saying and see which one is easiest and which one lasts longer which I'm... and and the very final test will be who's going to stand up in a robot fight in a robot fight got it where we fight each other <laughs> got it dibs on the this. quarter and steel <laughs> dibs so with that being said was there anything else you wanted to add about that design i'm really looking forward to it and really hoping for a couple of other cool yeah. game previews yeah, I mean, people have been designing 3D printable accessories for the Switch already. It's only been out since March of last year. Um, and uh, to me, the people who have Nintendo are more on that line of creative. Like, these are the people who grew up with Nintendo. These are the people who video games has expanded their mind to things that maybe people who didn't play video games when they were younger don't think about different mechanics that they've already learned and honestly these even just these 3d printable switch designs are improving the switch so much that the labo probably came from thinking about those designs and capitalizing on those like hey these people are making attachments let's do that ourselves and perfect it and then send it out for the people the general public the people who don't have access to the 3d printer can access oh yeah it's kind of off topic. <laughs> nah, well, if it's off topic, let's go ahead and navigate to our main topic, which is... There we go. <laughs> I was about to say, you like that? <laughs> which is... Transition! Transition here. Would an amazing game be made worse if it had a horrible music direction? So, basically, just music matter to you and your gaming experience? So, uh, since both of us were... <laughs> Started out as music majors. <laughs> yeah. Music is definitely a um, like a very dear thing to, I think, a lot of people, but specifically to us being the fact that we were willing to go into music as a career. <laughs> and we still kind of are in that career path. <laughs> but really, um, I was, for instance, I was listening in the radio, or in the radio, yeah, the other day I was in a car with a friend and a song came on and this isn't quite video game but it is kind of along the same lines and I was listening to the song and I was like I know this song and I kept listening to it and I was like I know what what song is this and he was like oh it's Lighty Dotty Da XYZ and um, I was like no th this has to be from this show I watched and he's like, no, it wasn't from that show, because I watched that show, too, and it wasn't in that show. It's like, it's, it's got to be from some, like, it was just right there in the top of my head. And I, like, I couldn't tell you what it was, but as soon as I started to hear the song, I started to feel happy. And, like, I started to, like, enjoy listening to it again, as in, like, man, it's got to be back. Like, I am enjoying what I previously enjoyed when I heard this song. And I, I had looked it up um, right before the show. <clears throat> 
and it was actually the outro to Hunter x Hunter. And hmm. I had watched that my freshman year in high school or college, and I loved it so much. And I was like, what song is that? And I was like, it's got to be the outro to Hunter x Hunter. And I looked it up, and right here we'll insert just a little snippet of Just Awake, which is by Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Um, it is a fantastic song, and it brought back all the memories of the show. And if that wasn't at the end of the show, I would not have those same memories of this song. So not only does the vi- song give to the video game or media, the video game gives it a song. Oh, agree. It's so like every time now that I hear any type of Metroid theme, I'm I'm immediately thrown back to Metroid Fusion, which we may have gameplay on the channel, but my emulator keeps resetting, so it may not. Um, <laughs> may not. But it keeps going back to Metroid Fusion and the hours and hours I put into that game. And without that musical cue in my own mind away from the game, I would have had no idea why that music was going on or even <laughs> what even the music was. Fair. See, for me, I remember the first time I bought a game soundtrack was the original Halo soundtrack. Hey, you told me not to buy Halo Guardians. Well, that's because it's not Halo. It still had the main title. Okay, it, it's not the same. <laughs> but the chanting monks in the background, like that song, the first time you hear it, it's like, oh, okay. Or when you're going through and getting ready to uh, land on the silent cartographer and it has that like rock intro where it's like, da 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 and you're like, oh man, <laughs> we're going to go through and we're going to like wreck some people. And then at the very end, also with the flood, when you're running around, you're like, the music starts picking up. Oh, please don't talk about the flood. <laughs> and you're just like, oh no. But I'm pretty sure that music could still cause panic attacks in my heart. See, now that was one soundtrack that just... Because I played a lot of Halo, and I mean I played a lot of Halo when on the original Xbox, because I got even got the Halo Edition Xbox when it came out. Um, but just that soundtrack stayed with me. So anytime you hear it, it's like I know exactly where that came from. That and then um, another big one is any of the Final Fantasy or Metal Gear Solid um, soundtracks. Oh yeah, if anyone, if anyone you know has Final Fantasy has ever played it once. If you just play one song around them, they just start freaking out. <laughs> but it's one of those things where even Final Fantasy style Kingdom Hearts, like the Kingdom Hearts games that went through and they tied in even Disney or like kind of the Disney feel in their music as well. Every time I hear that soundtrack, I'm like, oh, why do we still not have another Kingdom Hearts game? But hopefully it'll come out soon, you know? Hey, we can always hope. But what, like, for example, what game do you think would be completely different if it didn't have a soundtrack with it? Like, or had a just awful soundtrack? I'm just going to go with the classic Super Mario. (laughs) Yeah, no, everybody knows the Super Mario song. (laughs) If they don't, you're just like, what rock have you been living under? Exactly, and like... (laughs) Of course, it's been such a big thing for so long. Like Mario itself has been such a big thing for so long that whatever music that would have put been put with it would have made it. But looking back now, if you if someone tried to play Super Mario with a different soundtrack to it, you'd start <laughs> punching them. That's what would happen. I feel like we have to now go through and have like a clip of Super Mario with just some random soundtrack in the background. Just like, what in the world like is this? Like soft piano music or something. That or like a dubstep remix. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is not the right one. Well, we got to be careful with remixes though, because some of those are pretty good. Oh yeah, some of them are. But as far as I would say developers go, I think Nintendo takes the record for some of the best soundtracks that I know of. Um, Bethesda has some pretty decent ones. Uh, I'm not going to say they're great, but um, I'm trying to think of like anybody I know of that their soundtracks are just pretty awful. Uh, nope, I know who it is. EA. <laughs> I, I was thinking Got about him. that. No, I was thinking about that, like... Call of Duty games and stuff like that, if they ever had music, it's like, you know, Call of Duty has never st- stood out to me as, like, music. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. 
it was all about the storyline where they did a pretty decent storyline in the first three but it was a matter of the gameplay more than it was the actual music itself but it, it does feel kind of lacking well and here's the other thing nintendo has a history with their music Oh, yeah. Like, they didn't just, like, <laughs> in the new Mario game, they didn't just throw in new Mario music because they could. Like, it's all based off the, the original Mario music. I wonder if there's, like, a documentary out there about Nintendo music. Mike is Probably. looking this up right now. <laughs> I mean, I'm not looking it up, but... Hmm. But I'm trying to think of a game that just would have been completely useless without a soundtrack. Probably the Mass Effect Dance game. Dance Dance Revolution. Well, yeah, that's because... It... <laughs> hey, I used to have the uh, the actual, like, arcade foot... Uh, what were they? The, the big the... metal box? Yeah, you bet I did. Yeah. <laughs> Used to go through and used to... I mean, I thought I was a cool kid having the little vinyl mat that you could sit down. <laughs> we had the we had the metal box, and I still can't dance. <laughs> Unless I have a screen well, in front of me. I wouldn't expect you to be able to, even if you could. Yeah, that's true. My uh, genetics kind of make that impossible. <laughs> anyway, with uh, with DDR, short, short side story here, uh, my brother and I had it for the Wii. And the one song on it that we could never beat was Tootsie Roll. <laughs> and we got to the point where we had every other song aced in the hardest difficulty, but Tootsie Roll would still never happen. Like, we would always just mess up, fail out, do whatever. But we, uh, <laughs> we, we both took, I took the bottom and the right. He took the top and the left. And we looked at the screen, and instead of using our feet, we used our hands. And we played it like bongos. <laughs> we were just like, okay, we got this. And we aced it like that. We like 100 point or 1,000 pointed the entire game. It was wonderful. And I've never felt bad. <laughs> never felt bad about it. No, never <laughs> once. Hmm. I'll, I'll remember that. It's like, what did we get Mish for Christmas? Oh, we got him. Please don't. <laughs> we got him Dance Dance Revolution. The only no. game, uh, or only song on repeat is Tootsie Roll. Yeah, no. So overall, do you, that's, do that's, you think... Sorry, going back to that game, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, every time we touch... Oh, I remember like, that. Every everyone remembers that. <laughs> like, that is a huge thing. That, like, literally anyone over the age of probably 14, <laughs> not over the age of 16, probably, knows that song and has flashbacks to, like, in their gym, in their <laughs> PE class, whenever they brought in the DDR machine. And they're just like... Oh man, I know this song. Or they just start freaking out dancing because it's it, it like <laughs> it causes the person inside of you to dance. <laughs> the cascada effect, we'll yes. call it. Yes. <laughs> so, does music matter to you in your gaming experience? Do you find yourself with the music on, cranking up the music, turning off the music? It really depends on the soundtrack. Um, of course, we're talking about games with great soundtracks, but there, and then again, there are those some of those soundtracks that are just uh, not not worth trying to even think about listening to while you're playing the game. Uh, Doug and I have played Universal Paperclips at work multiple times. And there it comes <laughs> to a certain point. Uh, if you haven't played Universal Paperclips, it's just a clicker game, but it's got like three levels and like logic and everything behind it. But if you have not played it, um maybe click away just a little bit but there's an there's a step in the game where you can um you can eventually start investing your your glory or your valor it's valor you invest your valor into something to create creativity well in doing that one of them is a uh um just an mp3 file that starts playing an absolutely horrible like obvious electronic tried to be some type of like just ethereal music <laughs> and i can't play that game with that music on a because i'm at work and we have to answer phones but b <laughs> it's just it's the worst music i have ever heard i'm trying to think of the worst music in a game that i've ever played let me pull up my game playlist here yeah <laughs> Because 
I think I think with like scary games as well. Uh, if we if we go ahead and just do ambient things. Oh now, yeah. I absolutely hate uh, scary games. I will not play them <laughs> except for Depth. But Depth is kind of fun. <laughs> depth um, is just that depth. one where you're just like, like oh yeah. my gosh. Um, but I I'd, I'd rather not have ambience if it's going to distract me from what's going on. That's fair. Now, the thing about it, though, is like with the Resident Evil games, at least the ones that I've played, it adds so much more to that, especially when you're going around. It's like, I hear something or the music changes and you're like, something's coming. Well, and that's the other thing with the music changing. Like, you know you're gonna about to stumble upon a boss when the music goes from nice to little violin music to like tubas <laughs> like you know you're about to face a boss that is fair um gosh like all the games that i have have pretty decent soundtracks i'm looking at them now um i mean company of heroes is pretty epic um you know one that it gets on my nerves but it's not bad is counter-strike because you literally can't control the volume of it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like every time i turn it down it's like oh sorry you wanted that turned down let me turn it up to level 11 but that's about it but i would say overall um any game that's like just simple do this do that whatever and it has like just a repetitive soundtrack to it that at a certain point gets old like, for instance, keep talking and nobody explodes. We have a little bit of this content somewhere. But there's, towards the end of the bomb, like, it, it obviously ramps up the music. But the problem is that it does the same music every single time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, I guess they may have designed it like that. Because it's right. kind of more distracting. It yeah, it's obviously a It's not a glitch in the Matrix. <laughs> Uh, it's obviously a design, but eventually, after you do one or two rounds of it, you're just like, oh, yeah, we hear the music going on. And at that point, it's just like, okay, I'm just going to turn off the music and just do and do whatever I want to. Oh, yeah. But I think that one of the things about music is that the artists that put their time and effort into it, like the orchestra that helped out with the Halo soundtracks... Anybody with the Final Fantasy soundtracks, just, I feel like they're very underappreciated. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of people in the gaming community that are like, yeah, I'll buy this soundtrack for you, but they never buy any of their other music, which is really depressing <laughs> because it's like, oh man, this guy did this. It's like, oh, that's what they're known for. When in reality, it's like, hey, this guy also made this great classical piece over here, but it's like, oh, I only know him from the Final Fantasy, but it's your Final Fantasy, uh, soundtrack and you're like oh well maybe we should support him in other things too but at the same time yeah like if i if i hear a great song from a soundtrack i will go and get that song oh and yeah. like i will i will make sure to like pay homage to whoever designed it um and, and same thing goes with movies if if movies had a different soundtrack as well they'd be worthless interstellar for instance if Interstellar did not have Hans Zimmer and Hans Zimmer's uh, breakthrough of using the organ in that movie, it would have been completely different. I think that that's probably one of the only redeeming factors in that movie for me personally. But hey, oh, Okay, there's some good gifts that come out of it too, and it's an interesting concept to think about, Sam. <laughs> it is an interesting concept. It Respect was just that it was a really... The, movie, the only thing was that it was so long. <laughs> it's such a long hey, movie. I will... I will watch that movie on repeat because it just, like, you could watch it on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, any final words you want to talk about until we move on to our weekly challenge? Uh, go ahead and um, comment any type of, like, great soundtrack so I can go listen to it because I need suggestions on what to listen to. I've kind of ran out of just things to add on. Um and no, we will not play Freebird, so uh, you can not have to comment that. Yeah, comment below, or go ahead and shoot us an email. We'd love to go through and send you guys the feedback of, why did you make us listen to this? Or, man, you got some really good <laughs> ear for music. Time, pitch, meter, we'll go ahead and 
we'll, sure. we'll yeah. see what we get. So, moving on to our weekly challenge. How has moving into the content creation field changed the way you look at your surroundings? That's an interesting one. Is that something we're supposed to answer? Yes, sir. Okay, cool. <laughs> I didn't know if that's a challenge to our... <laughs> So I've always kind of been a creator at heart. Um, when I was younger, I took things apart that I shouldn't have. Um, I put things back together that I took apart because I shouldn't have taken them apart in the first place. Um, but I always, I've always been like a very technical mind of why does this work like this and just enjoy creating something. Um, in sixth grade, I was introduced to Vex Robotics and that changed my life because I realized that I could create something that didn't previously exist. And about the same time, I was also uh, shotgunned into music. And um, with both music and that technical um, thought of just doing um, things with my hands, it's always been a creative thing. And then, like, finally becoming that content creator where I'm act actually, I don't want to say, like, giving worth to what I'm doing at the time but just at least documenting or posting what I made or what I'm working on um, has kind of shown me just the fact that as a content creator uh, we we don't necessarily have to create content for other people like obviously we want it to be seen by other people but it's the fact that A. it's a resource to use in the future if we ever run into another issue but B. it's something that someone else could use in the future whether that be that i show how to put together a tesla coil um or i just go to town on how to take apart a printer someone may need to know how to get a paper piece out of the printer and get it unjammed and so um content creation has moved more from doing it for myself to doing it for whoever may need it in the future and um, it doesn't bring more validity or it doesn't take away validity if nobody watches it. If everyone watches it, it doesn't give me more achievement. It just shows me that, yes, whatever I was using um, has been and whatever I was doing has been used for someone else's life and to better someone else's experience. Well, I hear you there. Yeah, for me, the biggest thing with content creation is going through and realizing and appreciating how much effort is put into everything else around you. So, for example, any YouTube YouTuber that you watch out there that you subscribe to or any podcast you listen to, it's like, yeah, that's some great information. You don't really think about how much time and effort, but especially in the last couple of months when we've teamed up with Derek and Doug, just the idea of balancing schedules, putting different like things in there it's like oh well we have to record this and we have to edit this as well it's like well when will that be released you almost have to re-examine your entire time balance around this because you don't want mm -hmm. it to even though it's something that's fun and it's like you know i get up in the day and think man it'd be really fun and really cool if we could do this and we can do that the only thing is that it's like, hey, am I also neglecting any other responsibility that I have, whether that's with my right. family, whether that's with my work, anything else along those lines. But I feel like in the last couple of months, we've developed a couple of systems and found out that really content creation is always a growing experience because mm -hmm. you're always finding a better way to do it, an easier way to do it. Because, you know, you look at guys like... Uh, the king of random or for the slow-mo guys probably one of those videos takes them almost an entire week or more in order to make and it's like yeah. oh cool well and even smaller youtubers out there who who don't have a team it takes so much longer oh yeah and they have to have the same skills like we have derek who does our editing primarily for yeah. us and he does such, and such a great job wonderful. yeah exactly that takes up saves so much time to be able to say hey this is done he knows his field a lot better than I know my field, but at the same time, it's one of those things where I finished it, send it to him, he finishes it, we all give the final approval and goes forward instead of I do it, edit, listen to it, I beat myself up over how I made it sound, I redo it again, or anything else along those lines. So mm -hmm. overall, it's 
been nice to work with the team as well as to just have some more structure in everything that you do. So I, anybody that's out there that does content creation, we understand your pain because some days it's like, wow, I feel like I didn't get anything done. And other days it's like, this will never end and it'll never amount to anything is what you mm-hmm. tell yourself. But just don't give up. Hang in there. We all feel you. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's helpful to have other people to maybe just to wear a hat. Oh yeah. Like Derek is our, is a big editing force on our team. Um, and he, we didn't necessarily ask him just to do editing cause he still does other things also, but he is, he, like Sam said, he is an amazing editor. He throws in jokes whenever he wants to. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be little things flashing onto the screen periodically through this point in time. But like he is, he, he took that hat and wore it and he's wearing it and he wears it well. It's not on a, it's not misshapen on his head. It's not anything weird on his head. It's, <laughs> It's a perfect hat for him to wear because he also has a family. Oh, yeah. And sometimes he has a, his daughter around. And when his daughter is around, he can't necessarily record voiceover video. Well, and so at the time when his daughter's around, he can edit and uh, not have to worry about neglecting his daughter because he can step away from the computer and be like, hey, what do you need help with? How can I how can I be your father today? How can I how can I love on you today? And when he's when he uh, his daughter goes to bed, he can go back, or whenever she's taking a nap or watching your show, he can come back and keep editing. Yeah, and he can always it's, be a husband to Joanna's without having to worry about anything. Exactly, and and like and when Sam's child comes, he may have to back further away <laughs> from actual like making videos or whatever. But he, I'm sure there's another hat somewhere in gaming and chill that he can wear. And Doug writes literally everything that we say on the channel. That literally everything that we're looking at right now, Doug has assembled and done a great job. Doug, with. Doug is the <laughs> king of writing scripts, writing timelines, writing uh, suggestions for things. And without him, we wouldn't have the D and D that we have. Uh, that you will eventually see, or you've already seen. Um, and. Honestly, without the team, I, I'm just kind of sitting here recording things periodically because I have work all the time, so that's why I can't be on the podcast. But while I'm just playing my games, I can do voiceover because I don't have a family right now. Yeah. Well, so I, I do have a family. They all live somewhere else. But <laughs> the way that you made that sound was just like, I don't have a family. Hey, hey, I'm well. the most eligible bachelor of Game uh, Kill. There's that plug. Love me. But the way that but you I said that happened is like a horrible mistake. It's like we don't talk about what happened to Mike's family. He's finally opening up, guys. He's got to talk about this. No, so like I have that time to be able to just record hours upon hours of gameplay when I want to. And I work uh, 32 hours a week. I come home, and now that I watch, uh, now that we're able to uh, take care of certain things at work, and I can do homework at work, it frees up more time for me to record more games at home. Like Overwatch, PUBG, uh, anything on the Xbox that I want to record, I have that ability because I don't have to use all my time to go back and edit what I've already done. I just realized the way that we describe our work is it sounds like we don't do anything. Yeah. Guys, we, <laughs> we, we promise we do work. It's just the matter of the nature of our call, uh, our job is there's a lot of downtime in between things. So please don't get the idea. Oh, I thought you said we don't do anything on the channel. Of course we do things. Uh, of course we do job. things. <laughs> it's just that I realized that we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, Doug. And then Derek and I we were talking about like our jobs. And it's like, man. It sounds like we don't do anything. <laughs> Derek does a lot at his job. What are we doing wrong? <laughs> but, no, seriously. Whatever it comes through, the one thing I appreciate and the the way that I take a look at kind of our environment here at Gaming and Chill is that it's a team effort and we can't do mm-hmm. it all without each other's help. I mean, Doug's writing, Derek's editing, going through and... He, Micah, in case nobody has heard... By the way, this is Micah. I know that he's been on the podcast once, but once. everybody knows me. This is my post-Battlefront 2 <laughs> debut. Yes. But as far as everything goes, Micah goes through and finds just different technical helps, like our tag system. He found a way to uh, change our tags around and 
bring up a lot of more efficiency when it comes to just social media navigation. Well, and all of that's come from a job in the past. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> everything that most of us do has come from positions we've held in the past. I was a content writer for an internet recent or internet um, storefront, and so in that I learned how to write an HTML, how to do um, concise content write-ups, and how to tag things to where Google will actually find it. Um, and so implementing that here, it's wonderful because when I came in, it wasn't really happening. Um, so in, in being able to add that to the team, I've kind of earned a little bit of the bread that I eat. Uh, <laughs> that and Micah also buys 90% of the pizza that we eat. <laughs> yeah. 90, 90 to 95. Let's be real. Let's be more realistic. Um, yeah. But like I also add a new in, a new side to it where gaming, gaming and chill was games and things like that. But now that we've added more to gaming and chill, we're able to have more content for instance, I've just bought a Tesla coil, a musical Tesla coil. I bought a kit for that, and you guys will see a build video of a musical Tesla coil and see it work. Um, and that's something that uh, working together and something that um, being able to just sit and create content and not have to worry about listening to yourself for another six hours after you've already recorded the two hours of video. Um that's something that's great to have as a team and to have as what gaming and chill is becoming. Also, another thing that I would like to add to this is that one thing that I've realized is that every good channel has its dedicated followers and viewers because without them, everybody... No, Sam, we can't mention them. Why can't we mention them? It's breaking the fourth wall. Breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> well, let's no, break Sam's the right. Wall. You guys, you guys are what makes this channel. If if you guys were not there, if we didn't have our dedicated followers, um, it would just be me and Sam talking to each other for like an hour, and um, going me going crazy because Sam would literally just be talking, and I'd have to listen to him, and <laughs> it would it would not be fun. Um, but like because we we. Like I said earlier, we don't feel value in um, in what we do. We know that intrinsically our value is in our person, not in what we create. But knowing that we're able to give you viewing pleasure or listening pleasure um, encourages us to continue doing it, which we have to thank you guys for. Oh, yeah. Support through just sharing our content or even commenting because we always love to hear the feedback. Um, especially if you're a content creator, if you have any suggestions or just have any questions as well, feel, please feel free to comment. I know that the whole team appreciates that. Definitely. All right. Now, moving forward to the gaming news section. Uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds on the, the uh, podcast again, which, you know, I like PUBG. It's a very interesting duck i'm not very good at it <laughs> i mean as far as we go through i still haven't won and gotten the chicken dinner yet have you uh no okay so we're about <laughs> we're, we're still we can get in the top 10 but i never get past that it seems but apparently after the 1.0 launch that we covered uh looks like that uh pubg has been Cracking down on cheaters, they have threatened that they've no, have been able to in identify over 100,000 instances of a new pattern related to the use of a cheat and basically are claiming that they all people who have uh, used this cheat will be banned in a single wave. So... It'll be great. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be like the rapture, but for bad people. <laughs> Okay, do you remember years ago, World of Warcraft, that site-wise banned for using bots? That was great. <laughs> so many people lost their accounts. And Were the, you one of those people? No, I was not. That's my okay. friend was, and he bought my account from me because he was that nice to get it. That's basically what got me out of World of Warcraft, actually. <laughs> my friend's like, I will pay you 
$150 right now in order to get your account. I'm like, sure. <laughs> Why not? Got Meanwhile, the... World of Warcraft is listening and they're going to find Sam's old account and ban it for sale. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> but as far as it goes through, it hasn't happened yet. So I'm wondering if it's all talk or just what will happen because there's a video. Um, IGN covered this as well. Um because PUBG released their statement and like their development um, blog, but uh, IGN had video clips of this dude like teleporting and like shooting people from across the map with a shotgun and nice. <laughs> taking them out. It's like obviously Yo, that's some accuracy right there. <laughs> that guy is <laughs> he's Six good. Spread at twenty feet, nah, bro. <laughs> nah, bro, we got this. But. It'll be interesting to see what comes on. They're also going to be uh, going to be changing the uh, the blue wall a little bit, the blue zone balance adjustment. So oh, slightly guys. decreased shrinking speed of the blue, or blue zone in the mid to late phase. So hey, we're finally going to get a chicken dinner now. Yeah, now that we don't die because of the blue wall. <laughs> but that's that. So we'll keep you posted on anything that comes up with that one. But moving on to movie news, there's some. <laughs> interesting information that uh, uh you can go ahead and cover this one Mike. <laughs> yeah so disney hired the director from 28 weeks later for the live action remake of sword in the stone i don't know how i feel about this yeah it's definitely an interesting concept um I, it wasn't guillermo del toro which i was kind of frustrated with when i saw it um but um, Juan Carlos uh, Fresnadillo uh, is going to be directing it. Uh, he was the one who directed, of course, 28 Weeks Later. Uh, did you ever watch 28 Weeks Later? Uh, I watched 28 Days Later. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see 28 Weeks. Yeah, so it's a zombie movie, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, so... Uh, number one, Sword in the Stone was probably my second favorite Disney film Right behind, um, uh, dang it. <laughs> Apparently it wasn't that, er, that, uh, that one. favored. <laughs> I know what I'm thinking in my mind. We'll throw up a little picture here. Uh, and if I don't tell him what picture, he has full liberty to say what my favorite movie was. Um, the swan but if I, if I send him what movie I want to put up there, he has to put it up there. That's the deal. Um, but Sword in the Stone was easily my second. It was, it was the Robin Hood. Ah, Robin Hood was my favorite Disney movie. Sword in the Stone was my second. And, like, I I absolutely love the movie. And my opinion of live-action remakes is the fact that if I go to it and immediately I'm like, what movie is this? I do not want to watch it. Like, if within the first five minutes, if I don't see remnants of the old movie, at least in the new one, I'm gone. I don't like it. <laughs> so we'll have to see how it goes. But I definitely think that um, it's interesting because not only uh, is it the 28 Weeks Later director, it's also the writer-producer from the Game of Thrones. His name is Brian Cogman. Hmm. And he wrote the script. It'll be interesting to see how that turns Along out. Along <laughs> with Brigham Taylor uh, from the Jungle Book, the recent Jungle Book producing. Um, of course, it's the, the original movie follows magic, the magician Merlin mentoring a young King Arthur, and it was actually released by Disney before Disney's death. So it's a hmm. decently old film. Oh, yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how he does it, if it's like more of a horror story than anything else. Yeah, definitely. And, um, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, other thing that Disney is doing is uh, it's the second of two Merlin films currently in development at Disney. Now I'm reading this from IGN's website. Uh, the other one is the Merlin saga, which Sam will like this. Alien director Ridley Scott may helm that movie. It's interesting. Uh, I don't know how I feel about <laughs> these movies being directed by like sci-fi people. Like They're great directors, though, and it shows that they can go through and they can branch out to different things. But hey, we'll see how it goes. Right, yeah. Now going so on, it'll it'll be interesting. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. It's uh, 
the original release though was was cool because it was actually released on Christmas Day in 1963. So that tells you how old it is. Wow. <laughs> it's older than Sam and I combined. Yes. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and take a look at our releases this week. Night in the Woods for the Nintendo Switch is coming out. In case you guys haven't heard about Night in the Woods, it actually began as a Kickstarter um, a while back. And apparently, I'm trying to figure out what percentage they made. Uh, well, they made uh, four times what they had originally wanted. So instead of $50,000, <laughs> they have $209,000 um, currently. But it is supposed to be released February 1st. So pick up a copy of it if you guys are interested in it. or If you guys if you have interested. a Nintendo Switch. If you don't yeah. have a Nintendo Switch, definitely don't get it. Uh. <laughs> well, it looks like that it's available for other platforms too but i don't know yeah we'll take a look uh, and see because i'm showing that it is available for i just want to confirm this i may be wrong yeah, it, it was it was a cross-platform yeah. before now. pc and ps4 as well yeah but um, but don't get the switch version if you don't have a switch exactly don't do that <laughs> it looks like it's only going to be 20 bucks yeah not too bad um, so i'm sure you could go find a youtuber playing it um and it, it definitely, I, I've watched some gameplay of it, and it's an interesting game. Um, yeah, it's interesting. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for this week. Thanks, guys. And thank you to all of our listeners out there, because we really couldn't do it without you. We hope you enjoyed this week's Gaming and Chill podcast. If you'd like to know more about the podcast, follow us on social media, or learn how to support the podcast directly, check us out at www.gamingandchillpodcast.com. Also, be sure to stay up to date with Gaming and Chill by following us on Twitter at at gaming underscore in underscore chill. Yes, that is gaming underscore in as in Nancy underscore chill. You can also find links to the articles, games, and videos mentioned in this podcast in the description below. Thanks again for watching, and until next time...